Well, good morning, everyone, and all who are joining us online. Uh, tough news this morning about David Mann going to be with Jesus. These are, these are difficult mornings, but we thank God that his word never fails, and we need his word today. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, and we're going to talk more about his power in our life. In May 2022, astronomers made an astounding announcement. They had pierced the veil of darkness and dust at the center of our galaxy and discovered a, what they called a gentle giant dwelling there. The presence of an immense object at the center of our Milky Way galaxy had long been suspected by astronomers, but for the first time they had captured an image of a supermassive black hole right at the very heart of our Milky Way galaxy. You can see the image here. Isn't that amazing? Okay, what's at the center of our galaxy? Well, this is, is an image uh, which was released in six simultaneous news conferences in Washington, D.C. and around the globe, which showed a ring of glowing light bending in by the powerful gravity of this gigantic black hole, which is four million times larger than our sun. Wow. It was reported that oohs and ahs broke out at a meeting with the press when Farrell Ozel of the University of Arizona displayed what she called the first direct image of the gentle giant in the center of our galaxy. She added, I met this black hole 20 years ago and have loved it and tried to understand it since. But until now, we didn't have the direct picture. The feed itself took a team of more than 300 astronomers and a global network of eight telescopes. In 2019, the same team captured an image of a black hole in a different galaxy. One astronomer descri described the discovery this way, we have seen what we thought was unseeable. We are in a series here at Hope on the Holy Spirit. And we are just beginning to get a picture of an unseen but very real Holy Spirit of God. Last week we saw how the Old Testament promised the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to give us the Holy Spirit, and through faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. But this is an astonishing truth, that the same Holy Spirit who hovered over the waters, who brought forth the galaxies and the universes, who is four trillion times greater in power than any force in this universe, is actually not in some galaxy far, far away, but the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and he dwells in me. In the very heart of the believer in Jesus is a gentle giant. His name is the Holy Spirit. And this morning I want to ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? In Ephesians 
chapter 119, Paul prays that we would know the surpassing greatness of God's power for those who believe. There is a tremendous power available to us today as believers in Jesus Christ. It can set us free from sin, bring us alive to a new relationship with God. It, it gets us through difficulty, no doubt about that. But to actually experience all of God's power for our life, we need to understand who is the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Paul brings the letter of 2 Corinthians to a close, and he ends with a beautiful benediction, and it reveals his understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit. So this will be our anchor verse for this morning, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It is a short verse, uh, but there is a lot to talk about in this verse. Here's what Paul says as he closes out his letter. He says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'll read that one more time. This is Paul's closing benediction. He says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's open with a simple prayer. And then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for bringing us alive in Jesus Christ to a relationship with you. We thank you for how you're, you speak truth into our hearts in every moment of our lives. And God, we need your voice today. We need your spirit. But would you come and meet us in this moment? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're asking the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And we see really three incredible truths just in this simple benediction. The first thing I want to show you today, and it's probably the biggest and the most important, is that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit's God. He is the third person of the Godhead. I don't know if you noticed this when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 14 in this blessing ...that Paul gives to the church. Did you, did you catch that he mentions all three persons of the Trinity? Isn't that pretty cool? He mentions each one. And uh, frequently in, in, in the worship of the church... ...you'll hear things like this. Uh, we can put the verse up here on the screen. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Paul says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... ...the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit... ...be with you all... And uh, many of you know, uh, just you, you hear this, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we baptize people, Jesus told us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? There's, he, Jesus says, baptize them in the name, singular. But then he mentions three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What's that about? Uh, we just sang today, praise the Father, Praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. That's right. And, and we, this is something that we call the doctrine of the Trinity. So stay awake with me this morning, all right? We're going to need a drink. You got some coffee? Take a few drinks real quick. Talking about the Trinity. The three in oneness of God is actually all throughout Scripture. 
And uh, I want to just explain a little bit about this concept of the Trinity. First of all, the Bible teaches that God is three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you've been a part of this series, uh, last week we talked about um, and, and we looked at this example of the baptism of Jesus. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. He comes up out of the water. And do you remember? The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. Then you hear the voice of the Father in heaven saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. In one story, we have all three persons of the Trinity and each one is distinct. We see the same thing. A distinction of persons in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. All three persons of the Trinity are mentioned. The love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So what does this teach us about the Holy Spirit? We're in a series on the Holy Spirit. I think first of all, it shows us that the Holy Spirit is on an equal place with the Father... And the Son, we call him the third person of the Trinity. That's not like the third place. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he, we got, you know, gold, silver, and bronze, and the Holy Spirit is the bronze. No, he is on the same footing as the Father and the Son. This also shows us that the Holy Spirit is not the Father. The Holy Spirit's not the Son. The Holy Spirit is actually the Holy Spirit, always has been, always will be. Praise God. Amen. So the first thing we see is that the three persons of the Trinity are eternally distinct. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible also teaches each person is fully God. We have the Father is God. Now that one uh, probably doesn't need a lot of explaining. It's more or less obvious the Father is God. Whenever Jesus or anyone in the Bible speaks about the Father, the Heavenly Father, they're referring to God. So if you're looking for verses, I would refer you to Genesis through Revelation. We also see, though, Jesus is God. And, of course, there are different cults and things like that which deny that Jesus is God. I'm from the West. We have a lot of Mormons. They don't necessarily believe Jesus is God. So I spent a lot of time in my life talking to Mormons. And, you know, this is how we know Jesus is God. A great example is... And you can see the references, but just start with John 20, 28. Uh, we read John 20, 28 a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday. This is the story of Doubting Thomas. Remember that guy? Didn't believe Jesus was alive. And then uh, he'd seen Jesus die on the cross. But then Jesus suddenly resurrected Jesus, appears to Thomas, and he cries out, My Lord and my God, my God. Thomas calls Jesus God, which is surprising for a monotheistic Jew. But he does. And it's not just Thomas. The Bible wants us to know that Jesus is God. And you can see some references. I would encourage you to write that down. I have locked those into my memory. Like I said, uh, many times have Mormons knocking on my door. I gladly welcome them into the house and I sit down and we talk about John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1. One, right? It's really easy. You just got to remember John, Colossians, Hebrews, chapter 1. Take them there and these are the references that really prove the divinity of Jesus. How about the Holy Spirit? We're talking about the Holy Spirit today. Spend just a little bit more time looking at this. 
Uh, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is also God. And let's look at a few of these references. First one, Acts 5, 3 through 4. If you're a Bible reader, maybe you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. This is what Peter asks Ananias in Acts 5, 3 through 4. He says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to men, but to God. So from this event, we see that lying to the Holy Spirit is the same thing as lying to God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit also has many of the characteristics of God. One that's not listed, the Holy, that, which I should have. Hebrews speaks of the eternal spirit. So the Holy Spirit has eternality just like God. But there are others. The Holy Spirit is ever-present. Psalm 139.7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The answer is nowhere. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. He's God. The Holy Spirit is also all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2.10. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So the Holy Spirit knows all the things that the Father knows. Here's another one. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. Luke 1.35. The angel of the Lord says to Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So notice the correspondence between the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High. There's a relationship there. And why is there a relationship? Because the Holy Spirit is one person of the one God, the three in one God. And as Christians, we believe there's only one God. God in his essence is undivided. I'll explain that a little bit. My head's blowing up here. Some verses, there's one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If you look at Romans 3.20, sorry, 3.30, New Testament, there's only one God who will justify. And then James 2.19, You believe there's one God? Good! <laughs> Christians do not believe that there is one God and three gods. That would be a contradiction, wouldn't it? If we said there's one God and three gods, we'd be contradicting, contradicting ourselves. Christians also don't believe that God is one person and three persons. That would be a contradiction. What we believe in the idea of the Trinity is, that th is this. There is one God... Who exists eternally as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you might say there is one what and three who's. There's one what, three who's. There's not one what and three what. There's three persons. There you go. There are a lot of analogies that we could use. The water, you know, it can exist in three states. Uh, steam, liquid, ice, it's all the same molecular structure. Uh, the egg, all those... At the end of the day, all those analogies fall short. And all analogies do fall short. If this whole thing of the Trinity leaves you a little bit perplexed, well, that should be expected. Because we are just finite human beings trying to understand a big, big God. 
But the first thing we learn about the Holy Spirit here in 2 Corinthians, at the very end, is that the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Godhead. What else do we learn about the Holy Spirit from this passage? I think the second thing we see is that the Holy Spirit is a person. And really our heart in this series is that as you get to know the Holy Spirit, it would truly activate in your heart a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But we can't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit if we don't view him as a person. And I want you to see today that the Holy Spirit is a person. I also think it doesn't help that the King James Version calls the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. Anybody growing up with that Holy Ghost? Right? A little bit spooky. I also heard a story about a little girl who was struggling to grasp this idea of God, the Trinity, and especially the Holy Spirit. And uh, she said, praise Father, Son, and Holy Toast. So that, that's, that's not what we're talking about here today. I, I think we all get the Father, we understand the Son, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there can be a lot of confusion about who He is, and especially the personhood of the Holy Spirit. First of all, it's really important to say at the beginning, the Holy Spirit is not an it. And, and it happens a lot when people get confused and they'll say, oh, it is leading me, but did Jesus refer to the Holy Spirit as an it? No. He said, he will be with you. He will be in you because the Holy Spirit is a person. Some other people misunderstand the Holy Spirit and really think of the Holy Spirit in their minds as some sort of a force or like an energy inside of us, kind of like school spirit. You guys all remember school spirit, right? Back in the day when we were in school and they had those spirit days. Remember those? We all got dressed up in our school colors. They had the big pep assembly. And we'd be all like, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? And then on the other side of the auditorium, they yell back, we got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And then we yell back even louder. So, and everybody's going crazy and clapping and you're doing the wave and all that stuff. We had spirit. School spirit. Because we had an energy, a passion, a feeling. We were enthusiastic. When, when, uh, when someone's very generous, we say they have a generous spirit. So when we come to the Bible and we see the Holy Spirit, it's very common to associate the Spirit with uh, enthusiasm or a feeling or, or an energy. Something like school spirit. Now, does the Holy Spirit fill our heart with all kinds of passion in life? You bet he does, right? The, he's the, the Lord and giver of life, to quote the creed. But the Holy Spirit is not just some magical power. He's not just the tingly winglies, right? He's like, ooh, the Holy Spirit. He's so much more than that. And the Bible many times calls says the Holy Spirit is like the wind, but he's not the wind. Says he's like a fire, but he's not a fire. It says that he's seen in the form of a dove, but he's not a dove. Not any more than 
Dwayne Johnson is a rock. We call him the rock. I'm sure if I punched him, I'd feel like I was hitting a rock. He's very rock-like. But at the end of the day, he is a person. And so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a power to use or a feeling we get. He is a person we can know. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Have you encountered him as a person? The Bible speaks of many traits that make the Holy Spirit a personal being. And you might write these down if you're taking notes. First of all, the Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has intelligence. Romans 8, 27 talks about the mind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a will. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says that the Holy Spirit distributes each of his gifts as he wills. He has emotion. Romans 15, 30 and says the Holy Spirit loves. The Bible speaks about the joy of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. How about that? Persons grieve and the Holy Spirit grieves. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. One more, the Holy Spirit has a voice. The Spirit of God speaks to us. Maybe first and foremost, the Holy Spirit communicates through the Scripture by illuminating God's Word. And the, the, the testimony of the authors of Scripture is that they are they are speaking through the Holy Spirit. A great verse for that is 2 Peter 1.21, which tells us the writers of Scripture spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Above all else, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Bible and through the Scriptures, but the Holy Spirit speaks to us in other ways too. And uh, there's a great example here in Acts 20, uh, 22 to 23. We can put it up on the screen. This is what Paul says. He says, now I'm going to Jerusalem, drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit has told me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Crazy, right? Right? Usually you think, oh, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. That feels so good. Not so much for Paul. He's like, ah, you know what the Holy Spirit told me? Suffering lie ahead. Great. But this is a great example of how the Holy Spirit can lead us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit draws us. He can guide us through circumstances. Maybe there is this sense, God is leading me in this direction. The Spirit of God can do that. The Spirit of God can also speak to our heart as he did for Paul. And that could be a word, a phrase, it could be an image. I believe all those things. But what the Holy Spirit says to our heart will never contradict what he already said in the word of God. So the Bible tells us test all things. And if you get a sense that the Holy Spirit is leading you or guiding you or speaking to you, you want to just bring that back to Scripture. See if it lines up. Uh, invite someone, right? In abundance of counselors, there's wisdom. So find somebody who, who has a mature faith in God and just say, hey, I really have this sense the Holy Spirit's leading me in this direction. What do you think? Do you, does that sound right? And will you pray? So we're always like bringing those Holy Spirit words and hunches to one another and to God's word, testing that, seeking God's voice, both in Scripture and just how he wants to talk to us. So I'm just showing you today the Holy Spirit's not some mysterious power. 
We're actually talking about a person here. He has desires. He has uh, emotion. He has presence. The Holy Spirit is a person who loves you and can be grieved by you. Who is this Holy Spirit? He is God. He is a person. Last one. The Holy Spirit invites us into fellowship. The Holy Spirit's inviting us into a relationship with Him. A fellowship is something that takes place between persons. A person's fellowship with one another. If the Holy Spirit weren't a person, we couldn't have fellowship with Him. And not only is He a person, He is a divine person. And God invites us into this growing relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Paul mentions our fellowship with the Spirit in 2 Corinthians 3.14. One more time. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have you experienced fellowship with the Holy Spirit? What Paul's talking about. But I love that he identifies, first of all, what? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We wouldn't even have a relationship with God but by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He went all the way to the cross. He shed his blood so that our sins might be pardoned. Through faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven and have come alive truly to a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit comes into our life. We need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he mentions the love of God, the love of the Father. We come to God through faith in Jesus Christ we begin to experience God's wonderful love. And it is a love that never fails. God has forgiven us of our sins. That means we have a full acceptance with God. No more proving ourselves spiritually or things like that. We are fully accepted, fully loved, fully embraced by the love of the Father. I, I often tell my kids, there's nothing you could do that would make, you love, make me love you any less. And it's the same thing with God, our Heavenly Father, He loves you unconditionally. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we have received His love. There's no greater love in the universe than God's love for us. It is an agape, unconditional, unfailing love. Last of all, what's the one thing that Paul identifies with the Holy Spirit? What is it? It's fellowship. And may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, then what does he say? Be with you all. What does it mean? May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It means there's a chance that maybe you're not in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're missing fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So you can have received the Holy Spirit and not know the Holy Spirit. He could be in your life and yet maybe you're not in fellowship with him. Paul's prayer is that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with us all. What is the word fellowship? What does that mean? It's kind of a churchy word. It comes from the Greek word koinonia. Let me give you all the definitions I found on this word. Koinonia means communion, partnership, companionship, sharing together, closeness in relationship, joint participation, intimacy. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit means that the Holy Spirit is inviting us into a growing relationship to commune with Him, to partner with Him in our everyday lives. 
See, we can't grieve the Holy Spirit and be in partnership with the Holy Spirit at the same time. That's a spiritual impossibility. But the Holy Spirit is inviting us into that relationship, that partnership, communion, sharing together, companionship. The Holy Spirit desires every one of us to be actively engaged in a relationship with him. And maybe the question as we close is, what does this look like? What would it look like for me to have actual closeness in relationship with the Holy Spirit? And here's a little bit what Angie and I are learning, and we, we talk about this quite a bit. Um, and, and I'm give, giving you some words here. Hopefully you can carry this with you. But um, I like these words, aware, attend, and act. And it is a way, if we'll, if we'll embrace these moves towards God, it will lead us to deeper fellowship with him. First of all, aware. We want to be aware of his presence. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you. He will be in you. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. Day, in the moments of the day, are you aware of the Holy Spirit's presence with you? We're aware. Number two, we attend. We attend to his word. We're reading scripture and we're listening to his voice. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me as I study your word? What are you saying as I pray through these circumstances? How are you leading? You know, you can ask the Holy Spirit questions. Holy Spirit, what are you saying about this relationship? And listen, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Uh, I think uh, we talked in our small group on Thursday. A lot of times we pray, Holy Spirit, where did I leave my keys? Where did I leave my phone, right? Like, it wouldn't be, I'm amazed how it just, he leads me there. But we can ask him big questions and life questions as we attend to his word. Number three, as we listen to the Holy Spirit in scripture and just his voice to us, we want to act. We act in faith. We respond in obedience to his word, trusting him and believing that he's with us. And that leads us all the way back to aware. As I'm stepping out in faith, trusting and obeying him, I am aware he's with me. I'm attending to his word. I'm moving forward in faith. And as we pursue the Holy Spirit, we're deepening our fellowship with him. We're partnering with him in our lives. We're growing in our communion with God and being transformed by faith and stepping out to see other people's lives transformed by faith too. Some of you are here today and maybe you're not a believer. And maybe today for the first time you're aware of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And right now the Holy Spirit's saying, you need this. You need Jesus in your life as you're attending to his word. This is the moment to act. Don't leave here today without committing your life to Jesus Christ. We had hard news this morning that David Mann passed away, but I can tell you, he committed his life to Jesus Christ. We were right there in that room next door, holding hands, praying together, inviting Christ into our life. And I want to give you that same opportunity today. Life is too short. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning, right now is the time to act. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. God loves you. He's inviting you into a relationship, and it it's not based on our works, but simply by receiving that free gift through faith in Christ. And you can begin a brand new relationship even today.
So let's conclude. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. Third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit invites us into fellowship. Close with this quote from Dr. James White in his excellent book, The Forgotten Trinity. He describes the Trinity like this. The Father loving his people and sending his Son. The Son loving us and giving himself in our place. The Spirit entering our lives and conforming us to the image of Christ. This is our awe-inspiring God.